I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And if you want to be the first to hear these bonus podcasts, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon. Like Logan Molin. Logan, I hope I said your name right. We do appreciate you, and we thank you for your support. As you know, Greg and I have crammed our brains so full of music, there's no telling what bubbles up on any given day. But when one of us has a song in our head we can't live without, we add it to the Desert Island Jukebox. Songs we'd want to be stuck with uh, for as long as it takes to rescue us. Greg, it is your chance to add a song today. Give us a little hint of what you got in store. Jim, I'm going to pay tribute to one of the undersung uh, Motown greats. He was a great. I don't think he fully is appreciated. I'm going to talk a little bit about him. I suspected you might be going there, and I can't wait to hear it. We'll hear more about that in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we're back. Greg, a Motown great, under-heralded, under-appreciated. I want to hear who you got in mind. Well, this guy's uh, name always got stuck in the middle of Holland and Holland. Holland Dozier Holland, right? <laughs> yeah. That was a uh, basically a shorthand version of saying these guys wrote all the hits for Motown for about a four-year period. Yeah. It was an incredible run of greatness. Motown was in its infancy, and it got off the ground with people like Smokey Robinson, one of the great artists on the label, writing yeah. a lot of a lot of their early songs, along yeah. with the founder, Barry Gordy. But I think uh, Motown really upped its game when, when they brought along Brian and Eddie Holland and Lamont Dozier, mm. circa 1962. Those guys, be- between the three of them, coming up with most of the hits for Martha and the Vandellas, you know, Heat Wave, Jimmy Mack, The Supremes, You Can't Hurry, Love, Baby Love. One second. Imagine having written all of those songs, plus many, many, many others. Well, but I, I mean, like, holy cow. It's an incredible run. I mean, 80 top 40 singles wow. between 1963 and 72, including 15 that went to number one. Imagine that. 15, 15 number one hits in, in the United States of America during that period of time. And this is a time when, you know, you had the Beatles running around, the Rolling yep. Stones, and uh, all these major bands, Creedence Clearwater Revival, whatever you want to say. Motown was right in there in the thick of the charts, and, and Holland Dozier Holland were a big, big part of that. Lamont Dozier, a kid growing up in Detroit, he, he, he started out with nothing, shining shoes and mm. working as a custodian. That's how he got his way into Motown in the first place. You know, He was cleaning Motown clean the floors, studios? Right? Wow. Uh, you know, and he's also singing in doo-wop groups and writing songs on grocery bags. You know, the you know piece of paper, I'm going to rip up this grocery <laughs> bag and write available. some lyrics on here. He got offered a job um, as a songwriter in 1961 at age 20 with a salary, a whopping 25 bucks a week. Uh, Barry Gordy. <laughs> Barry yeah. Gordy was not known for throwing money not, around. Not, you know? No, not the most generous man. I hope, I hope he got it on the back end, Mr. Dozier. Uh, well, I think he did. He was introduced to the Holland Brothers, Eddie and um, Brian, in 1962. The the three of them were the songwriting team. Once I interviewed Dozier, and because um, he wrote this amazing book, basically mm. a memoir, you know, I said, "What was it? Well, how did you guys split up the duties?" You know, and he says, "Well, Eddie was the lyric guy, mm. Brian was all music. I was the go. I was the idea guy that linked the two together. You know, he would come up with these kind of 
inventive ideas for arrangements and, you know, how does this melody go with that lyric? Mm. Uh, occasionally he'd be contributing lyrical ideas like Stop in the Name of Love. That was him huh. uh, talking about a romantic encounter he had that sort of went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. And, uh, and I'll, you know, you'll have to read the book to find out the yeah. full story behind that one. But anyway, the point being that he was sort of the glue guy mm. in, in the trio. As much as I admire the work that he did with the Supremes and Martha and the Vandellas, I think what he really did was realize the potential of the Four Tops. They were sort of like in that second tier of Motown acts. We're not really sure what to do with these guys. You know, they, they sort of had a Vegasy background, you know, yeah. ballady type songs. Levi Stubbs was this incredible vocalist. And I think uh, Lamont recognized the genius of uh, Levi Stubbs mm. and the Four Tops and really wrote some amazing things for them. And was, he, was he on board during the psychedelic period? The psychedelic era, Jim, you know, Norman Whitfield was the guy, you know, yeah. uh, and Barrett Strong to an extent. These guys were the keys to that sound. The Holland Dozier Holland team had, had, had left by that point to start their own label. But, you know, the, the stuff they did with, with the Four Tops really pushed the envelope in a, from an innovation standpoint. Reach Out, I'll Be There, you know, oh, just a gigantic yeah. song in 1966. I love the slight hit of echo, you know. And Dozier told me that he and Brian Holland sat down at the piano and they were trading ideas. And, and they sort of were shifting the mood of the song from minor to major keys back mm. and forth, sort of toggling back and forth. So that's one thing. Then Dozier was talking about how did I want Levi to sing this song? Mm. And he said, I was really fired up by Dylan's phrasing on Like a Rolling Stone. <laughs> and you're going, Bob Dylan influencing one of the biggest Motown, yeah. Motown hits of all time, including one of the great vocalists of all time. Yeah. Nobody under, you know, may appreciate that, but well, he you know, got Dil the connection. Dylan can't sing, people still say. You know, he loved the phrasing, though. He said Dylan's yes. phrasing is incredible, and he said, I wanted those cadences in the lyrics, that sort of declamatory uh, style, combining with, with the gospel stuff. So mm -hmm. here you got Dylan doing sort of a Dylan plus gospel thing. You know, the timpani mallets, you know, the distinctive mm -hmm. rhythm uh, on the tambourine head, right? It's not just yeah. like a standard sound. Yeah. And it's sort of a bolero feel, the piccolo on the introduction. You know, this whole thing of a musical journey taking place. Yeah. It wasn't just a song. You're, you're being taken on an emotional tour through this guy's feelings. And that song oh, I, just uh, I, stopped everybody in its I tracks. I hear you're going to be teaching soon, like me. Is this going to be one of those classes? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of the great songs of all time. I put, I'd yes. put Reach Out, I'll Be There as one of the great songs of the 60s. People talk about, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want, you know. Uh, so here's a little bit of, of uh, Reach Out, I'll Be There, the great Four Tops performance uh, with Lamont Dozier. Uh, dead at the age of 81. On August 8th, we lost one of the giants of, of the Motown industry, of the songwriting lexicon that was mm. established for popular music in the 60s. So here it is, the four tops on Sound Opinion. Four tops, reach out, I'll be there. And that is it for this bonus episode. To support Sound Opinions, become a member on Patreon and connect with other listeners in our Facebook group. 
Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.